Our company probably five to seven X during COVID simply because you know we were set up to sell products online. The one thing that it did for me that was really positive is my mind goes so quick. You know, I stopped watching the news after like a month. I'm like, all right, this is a utter chaos. Like yeah. no more news in our house. But the one thing that it did for me that I think was almost godsend was that I truthfully don't remember COVID. I really mean this when I say this to you because we were so busy that it was like head down, building programs. And we had days where we were doing $800,000 a day in sales. Welcome to Seriously Catherine, a podcast about taking your business seriously, but not yourself. I love saying Derek DeMio. <laughs> Derek DeMio. Derek DeMio is an accomplished business leader and CEO who has extensive experience in the e-commerce sector. What I love most about this episode is Derek shares with us how he took calculated risks to quit his full-time job and start his e-commerce company. He also shared lots of tips on how to balance his business and his family life. If you are in need of a shot of adrenaline and motivation to kick your butt in gear, this is the episode for you. Okay, everybody, this week's facepalm mom moment is on the go. We are in the car on the way to meet someone um, in Clifton Park. So anyway, this week's facepalm mom moment is sort of borrowed from my new friend on Instagram. Her name is Lena Forrestal, and she just shared this moment where she took her child to the wrong doctor for a doctor's appointment. I think she got the time wrong, too, and it triggered a memory of mine when I brought the wrong child to the doctor's appointment, okay? So luckily, I am a mom of three, so I had the right child with me, but I had literally left work early to go get Ruby from pre-K to bring her to the doctor's. Now, granted, at this moment in time, I didn't have childcare for Zia, who was, who was my youngest, so she was always with me all the time anyway. So I went and picked Ruby up, checked out of school to bring her to the doctor's appointment. I get there, I'm checking in for Ruby, and they're like, Ruby doesn't have a doctor's appointment. And I'm like, what? I, I got like a million text messages about this. I confirmed, like, this is definitely a thing. And they're like, well, but Zia has a doctor's appointment. I was like, oh, well, perfect. <laughs> I have Zia here with me. Anyway, so we went in, the doctor saw Zia, but regardless, I had literally gone out of my way to go get Ruby out of school and then I had to go bring her back to school. It was a total disruption. I even had talked her up for this appointment in the event she needed to get shots. You know, like you talk your kid up to like just prepare them emotionally if they might have to get shots. That was all for nothing because this child didn't even have a freaking doctor's appointment. So there you have it. You are not alone, Lena. And if anyone else has ever had this happen to them, please share, share your experience. You know, it's really amazing when you can commiserate with other moms who are just, we're doing the best that we can. All right, guys, today I have something truly special for all of you listeners out there, especially if you're planning a getaway or a staycation in the heart of Saratoga Springs, New York. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the hidden gem of Saratoga Springs, 
the Adelphi Hotel. Not really hidden though because it is right smack dab in the middle of town on Broadway. If you're searching for an experience that combines history, luxury, and modern charm, the Adelphi Hotel is the place to be. It's more like a resort if you ask me. I've had the opportunity to stay here and let me tell you, it's an absolute dream. Did you know that they also host events and weddings? Yes, they do it all. The Adelphi Hotel is more than just a place to stay. It's an experience in itself. Picture yourself in a room with stunning decor and plush bedding. You will feel like royalty. If you're able, definitely book the Polaris room because it has a jacuzzi tub on the balcony. I mean, what mom doesn't need a staycation here with no kids and maybe even no husband? Foodies, listen up. Morrissey's Lounge and Bistro, their on-site restaurant, offers a culinary journey that's nothing short of exquisite. Have you had the best sushi in town yet? Well, this is where you get it. Get the rainbow roll. You'll thank me later. So, dear listeners, whether you're planning a romantic getaway, a girl's weekend, or just a relaxing solo escape, the Adelphi Hotel is your perfect destination. When you're here, you're not just a guest. You're part of the legacy of Saratoga Springs. Book your stay today. The Polaris Suite. I would like to talk to you about this. Is like I'm sure people say like, oh yeah, Derek's ambitious and he's go go go. You know, like what is that? What do you think is inside of you that kind of forces that? You know, um, yeah, no, like you're a, motivated. That's a good question. I mean, I think when I was younger, I had probably more bad habits than good habits, and I think when you change bad habits whatever those bad habits are, that energy has to flow into something else. And so, you know, my first kind of job was corporate. I was working at like Pitney Bowes in my early 20s and I hated it. And it wasn't the company itself, it was more the corporate culture. And I think in that moment I had realized, all right, corporate's not for me, but I really liked the startup world. But I was kind of at ground zero. I didn't know what to do in the startup world or anything like that. And so as I started studying kind of the markets as they are right now, I was seeing that e-commerce was growing exponentially. And this is roughly a decade ago. And box store business retail was declining like 17% year over year, statistical data, right? And so I found this startup company in Manhattan. The name of the startup company was SureDone, and they were a multi-channel e-commerce software company. And so I submitted my resume. I got no response. But I really liked this company. I was following them on YouTube I thought the little core team was really creative. You know, I kind of felt like I knew them just watching all the videos. So I'm crafty. One day I get on, I go to their website, and they have a little chat. And I basically pretended that I was a customer and that I was slightly upset. (laughs) And I had already pre-built what I wanted to say. So I said, I'd like to speak to the owner. I knew they were a small company, so I knew that I would get him on chat. Blah, blah, blah. Woman Yelena is talking to me. She was the head of marketing. Sure, let me grab Jason. So, hi, this is Jason. Can I help you? And then I just copy-pasted my insert. It was a quick, quick, very quick blurb saying, I don't have a ton of experience in this field. I'm incredible at sales. I'll work for free for 30 days. If you like what you see, let's talk. And the guy was literally looking for a head of sales at the time. So he gave me a shot. And I remember I worked from home. And I think I closed 23 deals in 30 days. Wow. And then we went down to New York. It was the first time. I closed 23 deals prior to meeting this guy in person. Mm -hmm. And I told him I don't even want money. Went down, met him in person, and he was like, you're the head of sales. And so that worked out well. That got me in the door there, obviously. We built a team under me. We brought on over 1,000 customers in the time frame that I was with this company. I closed the deal with Alibaba. 
we were embedding our technology on the back end of Alibaba's platform. So the concept was that Catherine could go on Alibaba, source a product, and simultaneously one-click that to multiple channels. So mm -hmm. it was a listing component. Mm -hmm. And Alibaba loved this because of the technology play. So I learned a ton. I got my doctorate in e-commerce. Mm -hmm. I then realized the really good money and the really good way to grow is to develop the brands. And so I took a huge leap of faith. Like, you know my wife, um, super supportive. And so I remember going home to her. We were about to have Wes, our first boy. And I said, I want to quit my job. And she goes, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to start my own thing. I think that I know enough now, and I think I can replace my income in 90 days. And she goes, what's the worst that can happen? You're employable. And that was like all I needed to hear. I yeah. heard that for the first time. I think I believed it. You know what I mean when I say that? You know how when you go start your own thing, it's a little scary because I cut off a 200K a year job. Yeah. Right? Like that's good income. And so I did it. And in like 60 days, I replaced our income. And wow. then it was just off to the races. And that I had started an agency called MDM, Magic Digital Media. And what I was doing was I was taking large-scale manufacturers overseas, all over the world, direct to Amazon with their own brand. This is what they wanted, but they didn't know how to do it. And it's very lucrative if you know how to do it. Yeah. And so I remember the first company that we took, I want to say we did almost $20 million in GMV the first year. Wow. Which was I mean, that guy at that factory probably made $5 million off yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I then realized, wow, the money is building the brands, right? And so that's a lot of fun, too, and that's what we're really good at. I want to say fast forward probably, gosh, 2017-ish was when I met my business partner. We had launched our first brand together. That exploded in some respects, and then we just continued to launch brands. And then we got so big on Amazon that we were, I think— one point, we were the 28th largest seller in the world. Wow. Which is big. Well, but but it's like, how are you meet? How did you, how are you meeting that, your partner? Like, how did you meet your partner? Was it just through networking or so, being in the room with the guy? Yeah, no, it's a great question. There was a local gentleman. They went to college together at RPI. Mm. And my business partner now contacted him and said, I got to get an e-commerce. Like, retail is dying Purchase orders from all the box stores are declining. Mm -hmm. This, my, my business partner, incredible guy, he has just impeccable foresight to be able to see where markets are going. And so at the time when I was approached to do this, I was making really good income. And I almost, I kept brushing it off. I, I turned down the first two meetings. Like this was just so, you know how you get so busy and you're trying not to take on everything? So finally, my buddy came to me and he goes, you have to meet this guy. He wants to fly over from overseas. So we rented at the time. Mazone had a restaurant out in Clifton Park and nice hotel there, but they had this really nice boardroom. It was low key and chill. And we put him up there. We rented this boardroom. I think it was three days. The first hour when we were in this boardroom, I immediately knew that we were going to work together. It just was, you know how you have that synergy? Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was so... So connected instantly that we sat there over the course of three days on a whiteboard and we mapped out one product program, how to get to $100 million on it. Mm -hmm. And we hit $180 million on it before we sold wow. it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And y'all yeah. are still, so that's like 2017? 
That was 2017. Yeah. Wow. T- towards end of 2016, somewhere in that era. Yeah. And now you're just, it's like a, you know, a copy and paste, copy and paste with different products that you see yeah. in the market that you think yeah. are going to be Yes. I mean, lucrative. We, we look at evergreen products. So we're not typically the company that's going to go try and capitalize on fidget spinners when they're wildly popular. Mm-hmm. We like products that are evergreen, meaning that product can sell indefinitely. And I think that we look at the market quite different now. You know, we like products that are subscribe and safe. So like I'm in beauty now with some business partners and those business partners I met through a gaming investment, that gaming investment, that company went public, right? We I seed rounded that company. So that was like a really big opportunity as our first investment. You know, I met these folks through, through Damon John's company, actually Mm -hmm. did some consulting for some of his, uh, brands and they introduced me to a gentleman named Raz, another three hour phone call, never met him. I'm on a plane to Panama, right? Like Panama, Panama. Yeah. And I go out and meet him and we sit down and we look at everything that he's doing in the gaming space. And I didn't really, I didn't really understand it. Initially. Were you a gamer? Like when you never. were little growing up? Well, I mean, you know, like Mario brothers, yeah, I wasn't like right, a right. But crazy you gamer. Yeah. Yeah. Right? But he had this kind of technology play in the gaming side, and that was what was interesting to me. And so he's showing it to me. I'm looking at it. I'm like, I still don't grasp it. And he's like, uh, if I can say this on here, he's like, do you smoke? I said, sure. So we burn a joint, and I'm looking at this. And instantly I was like, oh, my God. I just saw it. I saw the vision. So I came back. I talked to my business partner. We wrote him a check for a million dollars like a week later. That company, I think it was under 18 months, we sold it to a much larger company. And then we took that company public on the Toronto Stock Exchange. We actually just rang the bell. I missed it. It was last oh, week. Oh, what? But yeah, I know. How I do you it. not show bummed. up for that? School stuff with the kids. Chaos. <laughs> it, was like, it was like such chaos. But I did get to ring it at the you New York it. Stock Exchange. Yeah, you did at New York. I did yeah. get, that was another company we invested in. Yeah. That's but, awesome. So kind of back to that story. So, you know, we were building everything out and then the pandemic hits, right? And- most would think like a lot of companies did suffer and that was very tough. I know, but and like I in that moment, that. in that you know? moment, you're like, yeah. this is awesome. <laughs> it was, you have to admit I, that this I is gotta, just good timing for you I gotta, in here, e-commerce. Like, here's what I'm going to say to that. Own I, it. I, own I, it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to own a part of that statement. Our company probably five to seven X during COVID simply because, you know, we were set up to sell products online. The one thing that it did for me that was really positive is... My mind goes so quick. You know, I stopped watching the news after like a month. I'm like, all right, this is utter chaos. Like no more news in our house. But the one thing that it did for me that I think was almost godsend was that I truthfully don't remember COVID. I really mean this when I say this to you because we were so busy that it was like head down, building programs. And we had days where we were doing $800,000 a day in sales in one day. Yeah. It's just insanity. And so that, I think, for me, because of how I'm programmed, I'm not going to do well sitting in a room with the news on, watching Joe Exotic at night, right? Yeah. Like, that's not going to work out well for yeah. me, right? Yeah. And so that kept me really busy. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, and I think during that time, too, it's like, you know, you had, like, opportunity to really spend time with your family. We did, yeah. I mean, we had young kids. At you the had time just too. bought the house in in Saratoga. We were, no, we were, were in Char- Char- we were in Charlton then. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, before yeah. we moved. Yeah. So cool. it was. Uh, it's a weird time. Yeah, I mean, and you have little kids. Like I have little kids. Right. So I mean, I right. think a lot of the 
things like so at that time Mark we had a baby working. during COVID Kayla. you were having a we baby we delivered a baby during COVID oh my yeah. gosh but yeah. so you did you were you there because remember like they couldn't sometimes yes. some people couldn't be like their husbands couldn't be in the room with them Our during COVID really cool yeah and she, I, she was I can be, in the back I can be persuasive so yes <laughs> there was no world that exists where I'm missing that right well listen yeah. if you're good in sales and business you're good yeah. good yeah. I had a mask on I remember having a mask on and then towards middle of Child labor with Rebecca, who did great. No one had masks on after that. We're just kind of come out, you know. <laughs> yeah, and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It goes, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so. yeah. So at the time during COVID, Mark was not working. Oh, right. He had just quit his job in January of 2020, mm-hmm. and we were ju- we had, you know, we were gearing up to launch yeah. in Schenectady, and so that was a godsend for us. Is that like yeah. we? I had someone at home. Yep. So when COVID was happening, and I don't. I mean, again, I I do remember what a scary time it was, but I don't know, something inside of me was just like lit up and on fire. Like this is our opportunity to demonstrate how important community is and collaboration and supporting each other. And I don't know if I was just like pulling from Katrina days of like how that the entire city of New Orleans came together. You were there Um, then, right? I was in, we were in college, like an hour and a half away, but yeah, both of our parents lost, you know, their house, not lost their houses, but you know, it's, it's Mm -hmm. a, they were in FEMA trailers. Like we were in FEMA trailers that Christmas. Yeah. And then my in-laws were in a FEMA trailer still the following Easter. So it was just like a total shakeup. And I mean, if you think about everyone you know, yeah. like, and if, it's hard for me to think about it right now, but it's like everyone you know mm-hmm. does not have a home. Like there's nowhere to go to even get the the shelter. You know, yeah, it's, it's really like, sad. it was crazy. And in a lot of ways, COVID was like that. You know, everyone yeah. was impacted at some capacity, but I was so grateful to have Mark was home. And actually my in-laws were, had just moved up here. They'd gotten an apartment for, you know, a year in yeah. January. So they were spending time. So I was like, I was really capable and able to like be all in the business. And, yeah. you know, we were it deemed essential. We, and I was yeah. like, we're essential, we're food, you know? Yeah. I mean, I just did everything I could to just, like, rally and, yeah, you know, including dancing on on TikTok and Yeah, and you were doing all the things. <laughs> I think it takes that, though. I think it takes being, if you want to build something special, truly special, something that has impact, that gets big, right? I think it takes immediate and full focus on whatever that is that you're trying to accomplish. And so, you know how I have the the VA business model. That was that was really what got me to where I am today. Like no bullshit because when we first started our first company, I was in a jail-sized cubicle, right? Like eating ramen noodles, building our company, and we were making money at this time, Catherine, but we couldn't pull it out of the business because we were doing so much volume that we had to keep buying inventory, right? Mm -hmm. So you can't really take a dividend until you grow a company. And so what I was finding was I was working 16 hours a day, literally, you can ask Rebecca, and it was not conducive to your mental health, to a marriage, to relationships, to anything. And so I'm like, there's gotta be an easier way to do this. And you know, this is, we're going back almost seven, eight years right now. Everybody's talking about, you know, virtual assistants. And so I remember going on trying to figure out how to do this, right? Like I would hire somebody from Upwork and they would just go dark on me after like a month of training them, mm. like putting in so many hours to train them. Finally, when I found a good mixture of folks, I learned how to do this through like five failures of VAs. Like no bullshit, I failed five times. And I knew I had to figure it out. You wanna know why? 
I couldn't afford to hire people mm-hmm. at the salaries of what we do. You know, those those hires were sixty, eighty, a hundred thousand dollars a year, yeah. depending on what the skill set was. So when I grew that, I realized I can do this in any business model. And so what I do today is, you know, we have nineteen different companies. I build a company. Here's the goal: I build a company because I know how to build it to where it can grow. Once I build that company to where it can grow, I immediately divorce myself from that company. I bring in really smart people to run said company, and I leave because I get bored. Yeah. So I like building businesses, and then I like just kind of being high level. I'm an architect. But you're not selling them. Some we do. Some Some you do. Yeah, Yeah. it just depends. We have a brand that we're entertained selling right now. So, you know, I mean, we're in talks with folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's just like you just always wheeling and dealing. Well, I mean, we like to build stuff from scratch, and the things that are really special will continue to grow. Sometimes you build a brand, that brand might peak. Well, let's talk about know? that. Like, when yeah. do you know when it's like, listen, this is this is, this is not working? Small business owners, I find, are a lot, you know, traditionally mom and pops. They're tied mm. to the business. And yeah. if something's not working, it's very hard to walk away. Yeah. Now, I mean, people ask me this about, like, I had a paint and sip in Latham. Mm-hmm. And we had a five-year lease. That's and how you started, the five right? years, Paint and well, Sip. Paint and sip. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. yeah. All right. Go yeah, ahead. No, Sorry. it's still going. It was, oh, is it really? Yeah. We have nice. the Saratoga one on Henry Street yeah. still. Cool. So maybe this is advice for, my, for myself. Yeah. Like, yeah. when do you walk away? But like in, in Latham, it was like the rent was more expensive. I think the bottom line just wasn't sure. what it was in Saratoga. Yeah, so yeah. we walked away. And a lot of people were like, how could you, you know, you let people go? And I yeah. was like, you know, it's a business. At the end of the day, it is a business, right? I can't totally. be bending over backwards making yeah. a business work that's not working working for me. Right. So great. It's a fun business and it's making an impact and whatnot, but I got to eat. Yeah. No, and I, I mean, also have can't. to stay married is the, is the goal as well. Yeah. In, like for us, when we look at a brand, you were talking about like, when do you think to sell it? So any brand that we go to sell is extremely healthy. Or, or, or not just to sell, but just to, yeah. to, to put a fork in it and be like, we're done. This is not working. Like this that's, is. That's never happened to us. Truthfully, that's never happened to us only because we're very meticulous about products that we sell. So we study the market. We look at the velocity. We know before we even start to build product that we can succeed in that category. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we've done everything from like, like our pillow program was a top seller on Amazon. You know, we were kicking the My Pillow guys every day. You know, that guy <laughs> with the mustache. Yeah. So when you go to Amazon now and you go to buy a pillow, yeah. chances are very high that it's your, we're buying a pillow from you. No, not anymore because we sold it to a company that, was not great operators, but they paid a nice premium. They uh, they raised $3 billion, and their model was to go in and buy folks like myself. So they were buying these companies that were best sellers in every category, and they were paying monster premiums for them. This was when EBITDA valuations were 5, 6, 7, 8x on product, which is like unheard of right now. And they had an ops problem. So they thought that they could buy a bestseller on Amazon and they just, it would sit. And just keep going. It doesn't work like that mm. because there's 25 Derricks coming after that top spot. So if you're not good at ops, you're not going to hold there. So I, I think that program kind of fizzled out. They had bought a couple pillow programs. So do you have any, like you probably know that you mm. could get back into that business and, and scale it, right? But do you have any, desi- are you yeah. like been there, done that? We're on to other things now. Yeah, we're looking, we, we are doing all the programs that we're doing now. Our subscribe and save programs. So example, you know, if you took beauty, concealer, eyeliner, you know, nail polish, this is an item and a, and a category where folks, 
once they find a product they like, they don't even think about it. They click subscribe and save. They throttle when they're receiving their products. So they might get it every 30 days, every 60 days. You know how Amazon gives you that offer? We do that on Shopify as well. Mm -hmm. So you're amassing a book of business. Here's why that's important, right? Like you have Palette, so you have a multitude of members. Those members, correct me if I'm wrong, they pay a monthly fee. Is that correct? Right, or so annual. Got, yeah, MRR and ARR. Right? Mm -hmm. That you can base valuations off of. So how I look at this model is if I amass 100,000 subscribe and save users, depending on like what your line is and kind of what your profit margins are, that, that conceivably could be a 500 to $800 million valuation, depending on how you're positioning that company. Mm -hmm. If you have technology, which we just brought on a fantastic AI developer, Oh my God, this guy's incredible. I mean, we're building things. It's frightening what we're building right now. But so that's how I view the market now. Whereas if you're just selling pillows, how often do you buy a pillow, right? Or an air mattress or a digital weight scale. These are commoditized. You buy them once, maybe a couple of years later, you get another one. You can't really put a sound EBIT evaluation on that. Let's say you have a brand that makes $6 million a year. That's great. Don't get me wrong. That's your net profit on that. That brand, theoretically, if there's no subscribe and save, maybe you get a 4X multiple on it, maybe. I mean, you can kind of see the evolution of your expertise or your entrepreneur journey yeah. is you're getting more like, you know, Being meticulous savvy, savvy and, and like, oh, yeah, yeah, subscriptions. Oh, recurring yeah. revenue. There we yeah. go. Like yeah. when you were in the pillow business, it just wasn't as lucrative. If it, well, it was very lucrative. But it was. You know what I'm saying? But so like, it's all comparative. It was lucrative. Relative. But I think when you're looking to position kind of like what we were just talking about, when you want to build something special and big and unique, I think you need to look at where is this in five years? Are we simply a company that just sells this particular product and our customer might buy it maybe once every four years, for example, where if you're building beauty brands or any brand that's got subscribe and save, I think that the delta of that, if you're looking from a valuation standpoint, it's it's apples and oranges. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, if you have technology that folks have not seen, that's what we're building right now around the e-commerce space. We're building technology basically where you could drop products in a black box and it will skin everything out. It will do everything. Every component that you can think of, creating the listing, creating the copy, creating the imagery, creating the brand story, creating the brand itself, anything that you want to talk about in that respect, that's kind of how we view this market moving forward. Wow, yeah, and then yeah. that's listed in all the, not just Amazon, Any, anywhere, but everywhere. Anywhere, anywhere you want to be. I think today, I learned this from a very successful guy, it's not really omni-channel anymore, it's every channel. To build a real brand, you have to be everywhere. everywhere. You have to be what's called unavoidable. Like <laughs> if I go, so I really, if I go search for a product online and I use whatever keyword it is, if I sell in that category, and you don't see me two to three times in your search, I'm doing something wrong. That's the standard that we hold it to right now. So unavoidable is what wins right now. Quality content, killer video, UGC, like we were talking about there, user-generated content. User-generated content converts extremely well. And it was the example I gave you. I walk in, I got the phone flipped this way. Hey, I'm in Catherine's podcast. Blah, blah. Yeah. Because it's real, it's authentic. People look at that and they, they're not, scrolling away from that because it's not a sponsored ad. You don't get that vibe from it. There will always be more consumers than there are creators, right? So which one are you, right? Yeah. I consider myself a creator. Of course. But like, so when I'm when I'm on Instagram and I'm just like, I I do scroll past the, the user-generated stuff because it's like I know what I'm, 
I know that they're they are totally. selling me something, you know. I watch. Um, it. so it's just like yeah, I, and I watch I, it purposely. I I love to see what people yeah. are doing, but yeah. it's also yeah. like it's just gonna keep on evolving, right? And yeah, unfortunately, the consumers are not evolving as fast. I feel like some like you know, like for example, like yeah. my mom doesn't she doesn't know when she's you know, watching yeah. something yeah. and, and then it's just like, oh, then I'm, then I'm seeing all of, all of these ads, you know, and mm -hmm. it's like, right, because you were, your phone's listening to you and you're clicking on things and you're watching it's, things like it's, 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 it's consuming you, right? Age demographic though, too. Right. You but know, I gotta, mean, well, okay. So do you, are you, do yeah. your kids have social media and tablets no. and all this stuff? No. No. Ruby, my five-year-old is like, Dying for a watch, like they have tablets, but they don't have social media. Uh, well, no, I mean they don't have social yeah. media, but even like, I don't know, their brains are. I can just see that it's, they're. I think like the tablet time and the and the screen time for children, I think is probably one of the worst things that you could have for them. And and listen, like we're guilty of it, but me and Becca limit it. So you know, in the summer we were letting the boys have anywhere from like a half hour to an hour a day. Now that it's school time, and we prepped them for this, like we wanted to make sure we got their psyche. Yeah, they don't like lose it they, when you tell them. Yeah, they yeah. have no tablet during the week. They watch a 20-minute show at night. That's their bedtime show. That's all the screen time they're getting right now. That's all they need. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but I've Ava, Ava's 12 now. She's in eighth grade. Oh, my God, I feel so old when I say that, right? She's 12. <laughs> she's 12, she's yeah. She's 12. She's in eighth grade. and She's not a teenager yet, though. Hold not, on to those but, years. But all of her friends have TikTok. Mm. And when she was, you know, saying to me, can I have TikTok? I said, when you're 13, because that's what the TOS says. So I kind of, like, pulled that card, like, oh, yeah. it says 13, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. But Wes, our six-year-old, came home yesterday, and he goes, Dad, I think I need TikTok. <laughs> and I go, well, how do you know what TikTok is? What are you talking about? And there was another six-year-old girl in his class who said that she has TikTok. So I can only assume that that six-year-old somehow can get into the one of the parents' tablets or phones mm. and is, like, consuming TikTok content, which is yeah. frightening, obviously. Yeah. And so I explained to him that there's no world that exists where you're getting TikTok, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Or so, the other thing yeah. that I think I've heard lately is, is like, the Snapchat, which yeah. makes me so nervous. My I'm daughter like, does I have can't, I can't. Does, so you can't see Snapchat. what she's seeing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, here, here's the reality, right? Or what she's sending. Agreed. But here's the reality. If you, I think, are too harsh with it, what happens, right? Like, I, I feel like kids kind of revolt a little bit, right, when they become of age. Right. So, it's, it's why I didn't have yeah. a drinking problem in college because I had been go. drinking since I was 13. <laughs> there you go. Right. <laughs> there you go. It's and New Orleans. So, it's the culture. <laughs> so what I've done with Ava over the course of, like, the last three years this might sound crazy to viewers, but it works. I have taught her what social media is designed to do. So what I mean by that is found the perfect way to do this. So we would scroll TikTok or IG together, right? And what I would do purposely is I would click on, I would click on a beauty ad and then I would leave that beauty ad and then I would scroll. And now IG is conditioned to know that I want to see something like that. But what I was showing her wasn't about the ads. I was showing her what the ad is designed to do and make you feel, mm -hmm. right? We all know this. Like ads are designed to play on an emotion. And oftentimes in beauty, that's not a great emotion because a lot of times in beauty, what a lot of brands do is they don't, they show really unfavorable before an ad. They're trying to yeah. make yeah. someone feel a certain type of way. And so I wanted her to understand that. I wanted her to know, okay, 
I see what they're doing. It's just like how you said when you're scrolling, you don't stop at that because you know what that is, right? Yeah. I feel like if I can arm her with that information, she doesn't need to feel bad about herself if she sees things or is being targeted properly. Yeah. And I And I think that that's kind of the danger of social media. Social media is a dangerous place if you don't truly you know, know what it is. Yeah. You have to know what it is. You have to know what it's doing. Right, right, right. You know, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. So I saw you just went on a run with with I Ava. Did. She I was did. the first, like, was a 5K or something? 5K, yeah. Oh, Up cool. In Lake George. Yeah, it was fun. Awesome. She did great. Yeah. She did great, yeah. So I remember when I, so I didn't run in high school or anything. I didn't do mm. anything active yeah. but party <laughs> in high school you? and college. No. No, I just. We would have been trouble. I like to early. have a lot of, I, I even Ooh. even to the point when I opened Paint and Sip, like yeah. prior to opening Paint and Sip, when I was like trying to figure out what I wanted to do with myself, I, I can remember talking to my mom about this. And she's like, well, Katie, what do you want to do? Like, what yeah. do you like? What do you think you're good at? she called you, Katie? Yeah, I'm Katie back home. Can yeah. I call you Katie? Yeah, sure. Yeah, like, sure. It's next level. Well, when when Katie Willis shows up, then you know you're in trouble. Like Katie Willis was, I was Katie Willis was that, on Friday like for my birthday. Yeah. Well, I just growing up, I was you know Katie Willis. That was my middle name, and that's my maiden name. And I was just wild. I liked to party. Yeah. And um, but when I moved to Saratoga and I opened Paint and Sip, mm-hmm. there was like this one time I went to speak to somebody about something and. Mm. Uh, and maybe this is just like my personal like bullshit that I have with me, but I just I look young, sure. and then my name is Katie. I'm like I gotta cha- I gotta go by Catherine, and like more yeah. professional, and you know take myself more seriously, and then people yeah. will take myself more seriously. So yeah. there's been an evolution of my my. You're like an actor. That's what <laughs> actors do. It's like your actor name. Oh uh, yeah. But you are Katie for the majority of your life. Now you're Catherine. Yeah. Was that hard to transition to? Well, like I was, I'm interviewing you. Yeah. Now. Well, it was, was it was when I was changing, when I was getting married. So I, I just like, when I changed my last name, I just went back like, to my full, real name. Full name shift. Full name. Catherine Hover sounds, I, I like just that. think, I do think sounds more yeah. professional and mature than Katie Willis. And if you knew me yeah. as Katie Willis, you would freaking agree. <laughs> you would be like, yeah, Katie, she was name. not going to amount to anything. But like, <laughs> I, I did really, I remember telling my mom in this conversation, like, I just like to show people a good time. Sure. And she's like, well, there's a way to monetize that, you yeah. know? So think yeah. about what that would look like. And I'm like, well, I think I should own a bar. I think that I should like start a bar. Yeah. You know, no, no, yeah. that's not what we're going for. But that's like what we talked about earlier, kind of channeling that energy into something productive, you know? Like I partied a lot when I was younger and then one day I realized if I continue to party like this, there's no world that exists where I reach the goals that I want. I just intuitively knew it. You know, I intuitively knew it. And so I knew I had to kind of filter that energy into something different, into something creative, right? Like I believe me and you are both, we're both creatives, right? I am a creative at the end of the day because my job in my company is to build the concepts of the brand. Like I really am fascinated with human psychology, like how to create something that gets your interest that I might be able to either help you with and or sell you a service that helps you, Mm -hmm. right? Product, stuff like that. So I think it's transitioning that mindset into positive shit. Well, I also think you gotta be ready for it, right? Like there wasn't, I mean, if, if if the conversation with my mom about starting a paint and sip happened when I was, 23, mm-hmm. I would be like, I am no, like I was just like yeah. such a hard ass and just like such a pain. Yeah. And you know, it was like, I opened it when I was 25. I was like ready. I was ready to like prove 
to myself that I could actually get my shit together and do something. Yeah. And I was I, not ready at 25. <laughs> I did not have my shit together at 25. Do you, do you have this yeah. sense of like, it's cause this is another thing that I, I am becoming more aware of is just like the sense of urgency. Like I got to do this yeah. now. I got to do it right now. And I got to do it as quickly as possible, put it into the world yes. and then, and then on to the next thing. It's like this, this sense of just like, we don't, t- tomorrow's not promised. Right. Well, like, you know how when you you're just, young, you feel invincible. Right? You know that feeling when you're young? I, I did. I felt invincible when I was younger. What I mean by that is just you don't – like death was never a thought process around that. And now that I'm 41, I have limited time. That's how I view this, right? I have limited time here. What do I want to accomplish in that limited time? And the way that I party didn't have an area in that limited time anymore. And so now it's more I want to build – cool businesses. I want to invest in cool companies. I want time with my children. I want to travel more. Um, and then working towards those goals, setting yeah. those goals and then working towards them. A lot of people like me and you could spitball all these goals we have, but if we take no action to work towards them, none of it, you know, this, none of it comes to fruition. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so how do you hold yourself accountable? You, because well, you do, you work out, you eat right. Yeah. You're, you I eat know. right most of the time. Um, how do I hold myself accountable? So I write everything down that I want to do, like whether it's a goal or an area in my life that I want to change. And I think that the power in that is you have to tell somebody. If you don't tell anybody, there is no accountability. So if I said to you, for example, this is a business that I'm starting, and by this date, this is my goal, and I want to have this many end users. Let's revisit together in three months. And three months goes by. And you're willing to hold me accountable. And we sit down and I'm like, I secured the domain. And you're like, that's it? Well, I got the domain, but I got busy. Like, so I'm going to give you a lot of excuses of why I didn't get to where I was. Yeah. I think it's important because if I respect you, right, the person that I'm telling this to, I want to do this for a number of reasons, but I also, I don't want to be viewed in a certain way, but I, I want to actually accomplish my goal. So I think that there's accountability when you tell folks what yeah. you want to do. You know, yeah. a lot of people. So you have those down. people in your life that I got great people in my life. Yeah. Like great mentors in my life. My business partner is my mentor. He's the best mentor I ever had. I'm one of my best friends. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And he'll call you out on your bullshit too. He's not just he, like blowing smoke up your ass. He I wouldn't say more of a call out. I would say I learn I learn from him just by simply watching him. But he's helped me in so many areas of my life, personal, professional, anything I can think of. You know, yeah. he's, he's just a very he's a good egg. That's awesome. So, yeah, it's all about the people you're surrounding yourself with. What's that saying? I think it's like the top, the five people you hang out with the most. You know, there's, I think that it's the five or six people in your group. You're generally a reflection of that. Yeah, you're with the average. You're the average of the five people you hang out with. And sometimes you bring it down the average and sometimes you bring it up, you know? (laughs) All right, guys, I'm so excited to tell you about a groundbreaking solution for entrepreneurs and professionals, which we use at Palette called Preparo. It's this amazing virtual assistant relief service. Preparo isn't just another VA like you've probably been served on social media. It's a game changer, a revolution in the world of virtual assistants. Their platform has redefined the way we work and get things done. And who doesn't need some help to gain some time back in their life? Picture a world where you can focus on what your best use of time is in your business or personal life without the overwhelm of tasks piling up. 
That is exactly what Preparo is all about. Whether you need administrative support, data entry, research, or any other task you find yourself doing over and over and over again, Preparo offers a team of skilled virtual assistants who are top-notch and incredibly efficient. They've got you covered. What sets Preparo apart is their commitment to your success. They're your partner in achieving your goals. They take the time to understand your needs and tailor their assistance to help you thrive. We literally could not do Palette without them. So if you're looking to supercharge your productivity and reclaim your time, Preparo is the solution for you. They're not just a virtual assistant service. They are your partner in your journey to success. So what's one tip that you would tell your younger self? Yeah. What's one tip I would tell my younger self? And this is, this encompasses everything. So it's not just business. Fear is not real. Fear is not real. Meaning we give fear too much emphasis. If you looked at your fears over the course of time, I would say 99.9% .9 of them never actually happen. They're in your head. They live in your head. Mm -hmm. And I think that fear is one of the main things why people never go do what they want to do in life. Yeah. Fear is not real. That's the one tip. So, so I am like a big person mm -hmm. on like the fear of regret. Like mm -hmm. that's a real thing for me. And that yep. is such a driver. Like yep. I just, I do not want to be on my deathbed thinking I didn't do X, Y, Z. Never went after that one thing and then you regret yeah, it. Yeah. And then you just feel you like know? shit. Yeah, you do. So yeah. Just feel like shit after. and you're dying. And you're dying. You're dying and you feel like shit at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, this is like, a, this yeah. is a guy had this like. Yeah. Sort of like thought this yeah. about a month ago, I had this whole horrible health scare. I was in the hospital, and yes. like the uh, the aftermath of that was like, I was like, kind of, I felt pretty proud of like sure. what I've done up until this point, and yeah. not like I'm like ready to call it quits. But I was That's just like, cool though. This you is were there awesome. in I, that moment. Yeah, like and I you're like I accomplished. Them. Multiple people told me like ah, yeah. they don't understand how they didn't die because sure. people die of this yeah. this thing, and yeah. I lost a lot of blood and. I was just like, so it was, it was like a cluster in my head. And thank yeah. God I have people around me that are <laughs> like my friend that's like psychiatrist. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I called him up and I'm like, is this, I don't know what's going on, but I am not well, you know? Yeah. And he's yeah. like, listen, you almost died. And that's yeah. like, this is going to happen. But yeah. the ultimate determination that I made was just like, what else do I have to do? If you sure. feel so accomplished and you feel like, okay, I've been, I've done all the mm -hmm. things and I'm, my kids are happy and surrounded by awesome people who will love them. Yeah. It's like, what else do I have to do? Sort yeah. of like thought also. So it's been, it's been a shakeup, but like definitely the fear of regret has gotten me there. Yeah. So yeah. awesome. Well, thanks for being here. This was fun. Thank yeah. you for having me. Come I back anytime. It. Yeah, of course. Thank you for listening to this podcast. And if you want to connect with me, slide into my DMs on Instagram. My handle is Katherine Hover. <laughs>